When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. And my name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Chris Ruffett, also in the same city. What do you know? How are you doing after all that driving, Chris? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm back. You know, settling in. It's a lot. Sometimes we get new listeners, and they reach out all the time on the email and on the Facebook, and they tell us, hey, I discovered your show, and I'm going through your entire catalog, which, first of all, thank you for that. Second of all, that's how our show's designed. I think we've always tried to be a show that's information-packed in each individual episode, and you can kind of jump around, or you can listen in order. We're not like a meta-flavor-of-the-week type show, like a lot of gaming podcasts. So thank you for doing that, but also, that means our formula is working. But what's funny, Chris, is when people do that, they get to see the journey of Chris. <laughs> yeah right because sometimes people binge our show crazy they're like i listened to you know all 65 episodes in two weeks and i'm like i don't know how you did that but you heard our journey over the last year and a half that's true because a lot has happened the last year and a half and a lot's happening around our show's anniversary chris which is october that's our two-year anniversary that's crazy and that's when you and i launched technically I was working on the show as early as August, and then you and I were working as early as September. So we really are at our two-year anniversary right now, which is a crazy, crazy thing. But we were fully launched to the public in October of 2019. So exciting things when that comes up. But we got too much to talk about today, reminisce about our show. But I think it's a fun experiment, though, you know? You and I could even listen back on episodes and be like, oh, that's where I was at in December of 19 or whatever, you know? Man, that'll be great to figure out my job timeline. It's true. And one day in the future, you know, when we're gone, the AI can recreate us with, a, you know, just audio. Oh, perfect. Happen. I always knew I'd live forever. There's hours and hours of your voice and your intonation and your phrases that you use, and it'll find a way, and it'll be creepy. Yeah, it'll be podcast Chris, though. That's not... It's real Chris. Podcast Chris is real Chris. It's just it's yeah, just it's professional. True. Way less cusses. We are an all-ages <laughs> show. 
it's exciting today, Chris, because we are back in our news. This time, it, it's a big one. We're doing all of July's Huge. news from basically the first week of July where we left off last time to now the middle of August. It's a lot of news, Chris, and a lot of new characters and information and things coming up are all going to be discussed today. Yeah, I think you could easily say that this is a size five news. Nailed it. Man, they have announced so much. We have gotten the cards of some insanely powerful and cool characters supporting cards with those affiliation updates. I have no idea where to even start other than I am extremely excited for the future of this game. And if this is what we're getting now, I can't wait to know what we're going to be talking about a year from now. And for some of you, that won't be too many episodes away. Those of you listening in the future. Thank you, if you're listening in the future. But Chris, I think we just got to get into our business first, because we got a lot of news to cover today. So let's just get into it. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. And a big, big thank you out this week to D. Glenn. D, thank you so, so much. Thank you. It really means a lot to us. And of course, we've got to thank the producers of this episode, Zach Attack and Rusty. You make this show happen. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, Chris, let's get right into strategy. Let's go. So, Chris, a little piece of news just recently dropped before you and I even got into the strategy. So it's it's a perfect time for all this, though. Atomic Mass Games is returning to the mini stravaganza they did earlier this year, which was a wonderful event where they had live streams, they had announcements, they had dev Q&As, they had paint streams, they announced the Spider-Foes expansion. They're having this again, Chris, in the fall. And they said this is going to be kind of a normal occurrence for them. They're going to have one kind of in the spring, summer, and then one in the fall. Well, now we know the dates on this. Mini Stravaganza 2 of 2021 is September 9th, 10th, and 11th, 2021. That is only a couple weeks away. And one can expect a wonderful time because, Chris, last time we got the Spider-Foes announcement and a lot of other card reveals and great paint screams and stuff. I don't know where we're going to get this time, but I am ready because I am a Atomic Mass Games player. My two most played games are Marvel Crisis Protocol and Star Wars Legion. These are the places they announce all these new great models. Well, now that I'm back in Tulsa, I get to be a Star Wars Legion player once again. That's right. But, of course, MCP is number one for your boy. And I am just extremely excited to see the direction the next year of releases is going to be taking us. And during Mini Stravaganza, they're going to either confirm a lot and drop a lot of big news. They're probably also going to drop a lot of hints. Mm -hmm. So, it's going to be a fun few days, and I am excited to... Drink some beers and play some MCP with you and maybe just celebrate the game that weekend. Oh, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably play some games. Who knows? We can hopefully post some pictures of our games, maybe stream. Time will tell. We'll see what happens. But this is going to be a fun time, Chris. Atomic Mass Games on their social media, they do say full schedule coming later this month 
in August. So late August, early September, we're going to have a full schedule before the 9th, 10th, and 11th of September. So it's going to be good. We're going to know exactly what, what streams are going to be at what times. And it, it was really fun to tune in last time, Chris. Like even the early morning streams and stuff that are harder to tune in if you're at work and stuff, it's nice to know when they are and you can kind of pick up the VODs later or you can just tune in when you can. We know the Facebook page is going to be blowing up. Our Furious Finest page is going to be blowing up because we're going to be posting as much as we can. So make sure to follow us on social media. But Chris, that wasn't even our big news today. That was just a quick, exciting announcement. We've got so much big news to do today. And we're going to start off our news segment like we always do with an affiliation list update. We've had two affiliation list updates since our last episode. So going through the first one real quick, which was mid-July. Basically what happened, Sam Wilson and War Machine got officially added to the Avengers list. Okay. We knew that was coming. But then more importantly, we got Cassandra Nova added to Cabal, Omega Red added to Cabal, and Criminal Syndicate got Omega Red as well. And that is a game changer, my friend. Omega Red in that faction is absurd. It's absurd. I hate playing against that faction already. Now you're going to play a guy who gives out poison heals. How Omega Red's in there who just, and the giving out the poison in that area control. I mean, Kingpin's going to be tanking one thing. Omega Red's going to be solo tanking on the flank. It's going to be gross. I hate it already. That's it for the first affiliation list update. It was a small one because we had small releases. We already mentioned where Jean Grey fell. So moving on, we have a big affiliation list update. Brand new. And we're going to start with Avengers because there was something that caught me off guard, Chris, but I'm very excited about. Blade is an Avenger. Well, Blade is an Avenger currently. That's right. In the present run of Avengers. I love this. Guess what Blade is also, though, before we even get to his home, he's also a Defender, which you and I have talked about for so long that he would probably show up there. But Blade is a Defender. Moon Knight's also a Defender. Yes, sir. Moon Knight's also a Web Warrior which had me very excited. He fits right in the Spider-Man team. We're about to go over his card. He fits their team well. A nice surprise that he was on the Web Warrior team thematically. I mean, I know he's worked with Peter a couple times. Not super close-knit. He and Daredevil have done some things together. Well, and that's kind of the theme here, right, Chris? Because we talked about recently in our Matt Murdock Daredevil episode how cool it was that Daredevil was on the Web Warrior team. You know, you've got to think about these affiliations too, not necessarily in just pure canon, but also in great game design. And having Daredevil, Moon Knight, and Venom part of the Web Warriors on top of all the standard Web Warriors we all think of when we think of them, it's just a great addition to the game design-wise. You know, it's cool to have these like not conventional Spider-Men and Spider-Women and Spider-People on the Web Warrior team. But we also have some of these wall crawlers of sorts that kind of fit in every once in a while. Some of them anti-heroes, you know, and I really do like that because, I mean, Daredevil, Moon Knight and Venom are all great anti-heroes. And I happen to like the Web Warriors and I kind of like those three characters a lot, too, Chris. So I'm a little bit ecstatic. Well, the Web Warriors are looking very, very tasty for me right now with the inclusion of Moon Knight Oh, man. Black Cat and Daredevil are already there. Of course, Ghost Spider. My main man, Miles Morales. That's right. Come on, man. I might be switching, man. I don't know. We still are behind in America. We don't have Amazing Spider-Man and Black Cat. But when we get Amazing Spider-Man and Black Cat, not only do we have Mm -hmm. two more members of the Web Warriors, but we have a second leader for the Web Warriors, Chris. So they really are going to be fully fleshed out. You can kind of go that Peter, Attrition, and Slow style for the Web Warriors. You can go the standard Miles, defensive rerolls, stealth type feel, you know, with that team. So very different 
Web Warrior team. It's very exciting. I'm super excited about it. And I'm very happy now that you're in town. Happy to oh, yeah. take you to Web Warriors Church, you know, and teach because they're one of my most played factions. You know what's gonna happen. Well, we'll do it. But Chris, we saved the best for last. I think you know what I'm referring to, but we got a new affiliation added to the game. Actually, we got two new affiliations out of the game. First of which being the Midnight Suns, and we got the whole roster, at least the roster for now. And do you want to go over this roster, Chris? It's just going to be so much fun. Leader of the Midnight Suns with a very cool leadership is Blade. Of course. You're going to have Black Cat in as your three-cost kind of objective runner. Dr. Strange is your control piece. Dr. Voodoo is a strong control piece. Ghost Rider, a little bit of control. Iron Fist and Moon Knight. So we've got three, three costs. Pretty, pretty cool affiliation. Not only, not only thematic from a theme standpoint, but a very cool affiliation on the table. Well, yeah, you and I have been talking about our excitement for this affiliation for a long time, Chris. I mean, you and I are a little bit biased because, uh, a little bit of an emo goth version of the Defenders is right up our alley. Exactly. That's exactly what this is. But what's super cool here, Chris, is I mentioned they are kind of an anti-hero goth, darker Defenders. But also, there's a lot of crossover here with the Defenders. So you can even oh, have yeah. some like lists that are 10 models. You've got Doctor Strange and Blade. And then you just build out from there. And you've got both teams, whatever works best for you. And I really love that because I think the Defenders have one of the most diverse, interesting groups of characters as well, because they've got people like Spider-Man, they've got people like Ghost Rider, they've got Hawkeye, they've got Hulk, they've got all these random characters that don't seem like they fit, but they do fit. Even like Wong. We're about to see the power of the Midnight Suns, but this is a great start to the Midnight Suns, Chris. You and I have been also talking about how Everybody kind of gives Ghost Rider a hard time. We've always talked about how that's going to change when he gets on more affiliations in the game, because he's just not really in any affiliations, and that's starting to change. Ghost Rider in another affiliation is a big change for Ghost Rider. That's going to help him, too. Well, that's great, Cubs. I love Ghost Rider. He is my favorite five costs to play with on that table. I don't care if he's not technically the best five cost. He just clicks for me, man. I love it. Well, I think he just got stronger in the Midnight Suns, but I always thought he was good in Defenders, honestly. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of just interesting that he's getting more facets. Last thing I'll say on this affiliation, Chris, before we move on, AMG did not cave. Frank Castle is not on here. He's still unaffiliated, which is a strange twist for me canonically. I respect it game design wise. Doesn't mean he can't work with them. In fact, he's a great Midnight Suns. From everything we're seeing with Blaze leadership, he fits right in. Exactly. And I think that is not lost on AMG. I think that was a little bit by design. I like Excellent it. forethought. Bravo. All around. I love it. I do too. So that's it for the affiliations, except there's one more thing. We got another new affiliation. It's the Dark Dimension. There's one member on it. It's Dormammu. We're going to cover him last today. Get ready. There's a reason why, Chris, he's the only one on his affiliation list, and it is stellar, and we'll get there. But, oh man, am I excited about this affiliation. should not be a surprise to anyone, because this is a very complex elite faction that probably rewards high play and really punishes not good play. And we'll we'll get there when we get Dormammu, but it's just crazy, Chris, that we got two new affiliations with this release cycle. That's that's a big deal. Just two full new affiliations. And one of them, Dormammu's affiliation, is kind of every affiliation. 
It's crazy because it's every model you own and you're really getting your value for the money you spent on models in this game if you buy Dormammu. And I've got to cut myself off now. 100%. Dormammu looks awesome. I think he looks very powerful. I know that I might be in the minority there or that might be a little divisive. No, it's not. When you factor in that anyone is open to being on Dormammu's team with no affiliation penalties. Right. Man, that could be... It changes the game. Someone might break the game. We were already talking a long time ago, Chris, about how Bucky and Taskmaster changed the game a little bit by their nature of being rogue agents. This is that on steroids, and we'll get to it in our Dormammu segment. So, Chris, we've got to start off today's episode with a very exciting release, and that's Moon Knight. So we're going to cover Moon Knight, Mark Spector. He's a three-threat character, which is exactly what Chris and I wanted. He has a stamina of five, a move of medium, a height of two, and a threat cost of three. His defenses are three physical, three energy, and three mystic. And on his injured side, Chris, he is also five stamina, putting him at an average three-threat of ten. And his defenses are an average three-threat of three-three-three. He's also a medium mover. So any thoughts on his base stats? Well, he's absolutely base three, so I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb here and say that there might be a lot of text here. You're probably right. Yeah, I love it. Yes. So let's get into his attacks and superpowers and see why his stats are just average. His first attack is a physical attack called Bow Staff. It's a range two, strength of four, zero power cost strike. After the attack is resolved, Moon Knight gains power equal to the damage dealt. Moon Knight may re-roll any number of attack dice for this attack. Whoa. And if he gets a crit, wild, and hit, very difficult to do, but if he gets those three in the pool, the target gains stagger. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the stagger special condition. So, Chris, we've always talked about on this show how four dice, physical strikes at range two are the worst in the game. This is what Wong has. Wong's is even worse than this, though, so it's kind of moot point. But Moon Knight can re-roll any of these dice. That changes all the dice math immediately. Yeah, so what does that put him at? Does that make it like a range two... Five and a half, five point seven five. Like, if you get really unlucky with skulls, then no. But then there's times you're going to spike. So yeah, this is a Xavier Protocols question. Yes, I'd, sir. I'd, I'd happy to ask him. But I know it's at least five for sure, and that is powerful, Chris. It's very cool, and the fact that you can kind of pick and choose your rerolls to go for that stagger a little bit is it's pretty cool. It's really cool. You can actually push your luck, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you could potentially have showing on your dice, hit, crit, hit, blank, or maybe the last one's skull. And you could be like, well, I'm just going to reroll that other hit and just see if I get the wild, you know, and give a big target a stagger. Huge. Absolutely huge. I feel like there's going to be a lot of playing with this because Moon Knight is a very powerful three threat character. Spoiler alert, everyone. If you throw this in with some affiliations that and some other characters that have some dice rolling mechanics, re-roll mechanics for allied characters in their kits, this could maybe get absurd. I mean, if you're just Consistent. really trying to min-max the, this stagger for Moon Knight, it, it's yeah. not going to be like an overall winning strategy, but... It could be something I played with, for sure. It could be fun. Well, Chris, keep in mind, you know, one of my favorite factions in the game, the Web Warriors, which he is affiliated with, 
if they are contesting or holding an objective, they can re-roll skulls. Skulls is the only killer of this attack, really, because he's re-rolling anything that's not a skull. So, some synergy. Some synergy with web some warriors. Some synergy that, that might make him a very good candidate to be an objective runner in that faction. Absolutely. So let's move on to his next attack. It is going to be a physical attack throwing crescents. It is a range four, strength four attack for no power. After this attack is resolved, Moon Knight gains one power. On a hit, it will trigger the rapid fire ability. After this attack is resolved, Moon Knight may make one additional throwing crescents attack. The additional attack must target the original target character, and the additional attack does not have the rapid fire special rule. So as long as you do not blank out, as long as you roll a hit, you're throwing eight dice. Yeah. That's cool. It's always good. We've talked about how powerful this is on Agent Widow, Black Widow, three thread, of course, and then Frank Castle with his rapid fire. I mean, we're seeing a lot of rapid fire now. Mystique has it. Oh, it's, yeah, it's not going away. Something about rapid fire that's always so good. And we, you and I talked about this in our past episodes, but I'll continue to bring it up, especially for new listeners. When you perform this attack, whatever the dice results are, it doesn't matter. You're gaining one power. And then if you get one hit, you get to rapid fire and you get to perform a second version of this attack and you gain another power. This is a consistent way to always gain one power and probably gain two power almost every time. Yeah, I was going to say, usually you're going to gain two power. It's so good for that alone. It's nice because you're just throwing little bits of damage at targets, but more importantly, you are you know how much power you're getting. It's not like a strike where the dice could spike you either way. It's just consistent, you know, and it's really awesome in that way. And I've always loved it on Natasha and Frank, you know, <laughs> and Mystique. Like, it's such a powerful thing to do with them to just sometimes do this and move and then spend your two mm-hmm. power on a tactics card. You know, it, they're consistent power generators. But Chris, I'm going to let you read his last attack because you being our resident Moon Knight expert, I mean, how can you not be excited by this title? Hmm, and a mystic attack. Cool. And the fact that it's mystic too. So our next attack is a mystic attack. It is Avatar of No Shoe. It is a range three, strength seven for a power cost of four attack. After this attack is resolved, place this character within range one of the target character. So this is a potential almost range four move. Right. Yeah, it's it's range three with a range one. It's a lot of things because there's a bunch of bases involved too, Chris. Exactly. It's really almost a range five move. Insane. Yeah, if the board lines out correctly, of course. Mm -hmm. But also, this is not triggered just for using this Avatar of No Shoe attack. You will also trigger push. If the target character is size two or less before damage is dealt, it may be pushed away from Moon Knight short. So that's going to happen before the damage is dealt. That's right. You're going to push them away short. And then after you're (laughs) going to be within range one. Guys, that's this thing is crazy. Long distance. Like just from a movement standpoint, we haven't even mentioned the fact that it is seven dice. That's pretty good. Mystic, which is even better. Mystic and a built-in push that's going to affect the movement after the dice are thrown because you do not have to get a hit through for Mm -hmm. this push to happen. You do not have to get a hit through. It's very strong. For Moon Knight to be placed within range one of the target character. They just happen for that four power, which is why it is so expensive, of course, 
Yeah, just the free push alone, right, Chris? We've talked about the power of that in this game. Right. Doing a seven dice spender, which is very expensive for for to do this, but you know, then you get to auto push them and then teleport behind them or in front of them. Like this is cool. Like someone could be on an objective. You could hit them with the seven dice mystic attack, probably do some damage. But more importantly, you you get to push them short away from the objective, and then now you can place Moon Knight on the objective. Exactly. From where you Amazing. Came. Yeah, it's very strong. Moving on, Chris, he's got some pretty cool superpowers that synergize well with this stuff. He has an active superpower called Chosen of No Shoe. It costs two power. When Moon Knight is targeted by a mystic attack, he may use the superpower. Add two dice to this character's defense rolls against that attack. This character cannot be advanced, pushed, or placed by the effects of this attack. This is why Deadpool's so strong, Chris. He cannot be yes. pushed or moved by mystic attacks. Once again, they're leaning into that... We've got Deadpool. We've got Moon Knight. There's things going on mentally in their brains. <laughs> they're not Jedi mind tricked because they're, they're focused on other things. They cannot be influenced by the mystic moves and, you know, mind controls of the game, which is pretty cool, Chris, because we just saw the power of Jean Grey and Cassandra Nova on our last news segment. I am so excited about Moon Knight. He's a second kind of anti-mystic mm-hmm. little balancing out of the meta character. The fact that it fits in so seamlessly lore-wise with him and Deadpool, both very mentally ill individuals, right. it's just amazing. And then also opens up avenues for storytelling, both through the game narrative and you know in the comics uh, about mental illness and, and struggle and mental health. And it's just I love these characters. Yeah, Chris, we should honestly do a whole segment on this show that's like focuses on all the mentally ill characters of the Marvel Universe because there are some stories there that we can't even get into in our lore deep dives, which we will do on Moon Knight, which we will do on Deadpool. But, you know, I think that's an interesting topic in the future without a doubt and something I'm really passionate about. I know you are as well. But Chris, you mentioned Moon Knight's mental illness, and I'm going to talk about it real quick because... This is the reason you're taking this character. You thought everything was good up to this point? Well, get ready for it to be great. He has an innate ability called multiple personalities. At the start of Moon Knight's activation, roll one die. If the result is a crit, Moon Knight may make an additional action this turn that must be a move action. So he gets to take three actions this turn, but one's a free move. If the result is a wild or a hit, the next attack made by Moon Knight this activation adds two dice to its attack roll. I'm looking at you, six dice bow staff with unlimited mm-hmm. rerolls. If the result is a shield or blank, this character gains one power. If this result is a skull, a critical failure, one out of eight, no effect. Not even negative, Chris. I was expecting the skull to say, take one damage or lose a power or something. Me too. Holy cow. We had talked off air, you know, just in casual texts and things about hoping that Moon Knight would have something like this. Holy cow. The fact that there is no negative is nutso to me. I'm already salivating at the idea of the critical Mm. role, getting the critical, moving within range three, doing your throwing crescent with rapid fire to get the last two power you need, and then hitting that avatar of no shoe and moving all the way across the board. Oh man. Just because you rolled well on multiple personalities. 
this is just exciting. Like it doesn't matter what your level of play is. This is always going to be exciting and fun and good. And if you're a great player on top of this, this could just be oppressive because it's one of those things I'm getting a free movement or I'm getting free dice on my next attack or I'm getting free power. A good player can use all these at the right times. Yeah, there's turns like round one, you're going to roll this and you're going to get maybe the wild or the hit and you get two additional dice in your attack roll and no one's close enough for him to attack. That's going to happen. It's going to happen sometimes. Once again, though, still not a downside. You just didn't get to do the cool thing, right? Yep. And you got to think of it that way. You got to think of it along the lines of, like I said, why Maul is so good in Legion right now. It's like I was talking about Darth Maul. If he's damaged, he gets an additional action. He breaks a rule of the game of Star Wars Legion if he's damaged. So Maul all of a sudden gets crazy mobility and things that are not normal. This is the same way with Moon Knight. He's just a three threat. And he's got average stats because he can spike in big ways if the multiple personality works out for you and then you use it right. And that's the theme here that is incredible, Chris. It's like you are going with the way Moon Knight's personality is going, and that's the way you're going to play. It's like one of those things where it's like, oh, I got an extra power this turn, and Moon Knight already had two power, and I have a tactics card in my hand that costs three power that I wasn't planning on using for a while, but now I'm going to use it because Moon Knight enabled this for me. And this turn, he's just going to be a tactics cards player. And that's great because he net me a tactics card earlier in the game, which usually means you're winning if you're playing your tactics cards well earlier in the game. In the hands of a talented player, it's going to be super powerful. But just even in the hands of a casual player, it's going to be fun and strong. I think whether the player is casual, uh, competitive, genius, I think the the critical thing here is an adaptive yes. type player. If you're an adaptive type player, Moon Knight is the ultimate three cost. If if you're more reactive, if you're the kind of player that kind of has their their turns planned out, mm-hmm. you know, in more of a, of a if this happens, react with this. Do they have this in more kind of a sequenced? Yep way if you play more of that sequenced kind of card player way which there's nothing wrong with either way it's just different people's brains works but i think he'll be a little tougher for that just because of the unpredictability of multiple personalities you're not you don't it's going to be very hard to plan his next turn right the rng of this too chris sometimes is just going to win you the game straight up absolutely moon knight's going to get three moves on a final round of the game when most characters are dazed and he's going to come out of the shadows and come across the map and claim that back cap objective and all of a sudden you won. Well, I think we might have to do a whole episode on Moon Knight here pretty soon. I think we will. Yeah, I think that might happen. But to cap him off here, there are two more innate abilities that he possesses. He does have stealth. So characters need to be within range three to target him with attacks. And Moon Knight is also a wall crawler, which is very cool. And, you know, he's in the wall crawlers, so you probably expected it. Web warriors, web heads. He is a web warrior, right, Chris? So it's just perfect with that. Stealth is huge, Chris, honestly, because his defenses are not great. So that's going to help with that. And how cool is this, Chris? Throwing Crescents is range four. I don't know if we've seen this in the game yet, where it's like someone has a long-range attack that costs them nothing, but they have stealth. So he can sit outside in stealth range and just crescent throw for a while and be a nuisance. It's like Genji in Heroes of the Storm. Right. (laughs) Yeah, all those Genji mains and Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we've got to move on. We have so much to talk about. 
so we're going to move on to the next character card and another one i am super excited about and that is blade oh i'm so ready chris he is going to be a threat level four character and he is also an affiliation leader so if you're going to play the midnight suns you've got four points spent all ready on his healthy side he is going to have six stamina on his injured side he is going to have six stamina bringing him to a total of 12 pretty good he is a medium mover size two his defenses are four physical three energy and four mystic so this midnight suns squad is kind of looking like uh, some uh, a mystic type of squad they don't like energy chris that's what I'm gathering because it's actually pretty consistent across <laughs> the board, but they don't mind physical and mystic. Honestly, these characters don't. Very cool. I'm kind of speechless here, but his first attack, it's so cool. It's a melee mystic attack as a builder. I don't know that we've had one of these in the game. We probably may have. So Katana, it's range two, strength five, power cost zero. It is a builder. So it is going to be, after the attack is resolved, Blade will gain power equal to the damage dealt. It will give Bleed, just automatically. Love it. And on a wild, you're going to trigger Pierce, which is just my favorite wild trigger. Yep. Change one of the defending characters. Block, wild, or crit to a blank, just automatically. So this already really good, if it was a physical attack builder is actually a mystic attack yes one of the best five strength builders in the game chris and awesome i am a blade nut as chris knows here like i've only read some of the comics as a kid i can tell you and some will probably get in the blade episode the blade movies blade one in particular and then blade two made by guillermo del toro one of my favorite directors they were just some of my favorite comic book movies as a kid just straight up being born in the 80s growing up in the 80s and 90s these were the perfect movies for that and i just got really obsessed with vampires at a young age and then blade came around around the perfect time and chris his katana is mystic because it's dipped in holy water and i love that theme there it's just going right into the bad guy's brains and doing all that mystic damage <laughs> I honestly cannot wait for the Blade episode. I cannot wait to talk about those movies. I've been wanting to rewatch them, and this conversation has inspired it. I think I'm going to at least have one of the Blade movies on as background later this evening. We've started off with a very strong first builder, the first of three attacks. Now we're going to move on to throwing Glaives. This one is a physical attack. It is a range four attack, strength four attack, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains one power. So it is another very consistent builder. If you're within range four of someone and you're not moving, you're just going to use it. Uh, on a wild, you are going to trigger bleed. So that, that's not bad. It's okay, but that, that bleed trigger really, really, really will matter more later. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Chris. You're seeing a trend. Katano auto gives bleed no matter what. And then if you get this wild on glaives, you get bleed again. Now, this isn't as good as Moon Knight's like rapid fire glaives, no. but it's still good. Like it, it, when blades at range four, he can just guarantee auto gains of power. And that's cool. And right. maybe give bleed. But Chris, closing out his attacks, we have a spender that I think you're going to do a lot in the game. That's a crazy thing to say. Me specifically? Yes. 
Chris, you're like, I love spenders. Spenders usually aren't the best thing to do in MCP all the time, but this one, I think you're going to try to do as much as you can actually. So it's, it kind of turns that on its head. So Chris, it is another mystic attack. It is called Knight of the Dampier. It's range three, strength of seven, and a power cost of four. Very similar to Moon Knight's spender we just saw. Exactly the same stats, but a little bit different. If the target character has the bleed special condition, you may reroll any number of the attack dice in this pool. Auto gives bleed. After attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed special condition. Auto triggers. After the attack is resolved, blade may advance medium. Do you see why you're going to do this all the time, Chris? Because would you pay for it to auto give bleed, get a free move and do a big attack with rerolls? Yeah. Well, not only that, but if maybe they're in range three, you get that medium move up and you're out of power. Let's just use potentially the best builder (laughs) in the game. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Not bad, my man. Not bad. Well, here's what's cool about blade. If you just perform the katana attack, you're giving an auto bleed. So I think you're always going to katana before Night of the Dampier. No, you're probably right. Unless they already have a bleed, which turns out mid-game, late-game, a lot of people are going to have bleed with blade around. So mid-game, late-game, you're just going to be spending Night of the Dampier without the katana. But here's what's cool, Chris. Blade doing katana and then doing Night of the Dampier and then getting his free medium. That's a great blade turn. And I think he's going to do that a lot. You know, and this is one of those cool things because he's getting a free medium move out of it, you know, and he's doing five mystic, seven mystic, bleed, bleed, medium move, you know, like he's doing stuff. He's very unique to this point, and he's going to get even more unique when we move into his superpowers outside of his affiliation. Yes. Uh, he's got something going on that, that I love and I can't talk about yet because we have to do bump in the night, this is the affiliation for the Midnight Suns. Right, Blade's leadership. Once per turn, at any time during an allied character's activation, that character may spend one power. If it does, place that character within range one of its current position. Wow. That's a free inactivation move. Right. It's a tiny move, right? Because it's, 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 right. it's a base with a one with a base. But still, Chris, it's an it's a free move, like without taking an action. Especially with uh medium base characters. Forget medium base. Let's go large with Ghost Rider and Hulk. Oh no. Ghost Rider and Hulk. Oh no. They just get to place themselves. Kind of thinking that new Spider-Man. Oh man. He's got mobility for days. Yeah, this just takes him over the top. Chris, hear me out. Ghost Rider, he's already one of the fastest characters in the game. I imagine if you had a Ghost Rider base a range one tool and another ghost rider base without taking any actions. <laughs> That's a lot of movement. And this actually yeah. helps ghost rider get his beams off easier. Mm-hmm. He can do range one moves to the side laterally, and then he can beam really easily with his chains. Super cool. Same with Hulk and the thunderclap, like Hulk and thunderclap way easier with this. So obviously this is strong for every character in the game, but exponentially goes up the bigger the base size because it always costs one. It doesn't, there's no restrictions on like medium bases or large bases cost more. No, no, no. It's just cost one. Us being a show that's for everyone, you know, we're the kitchen table gamers all the way up to the competitive gamers. I think this is a perfect affiliation for this game. And I say that because if you're casual, if you're competitive, this is just MCP. This is so good, man. It's just good. 
all the way around. Yeah. It can be very big brained or it could just be really good. I love it. I love, oh, I love almost everything about this character to be 100% honest. Yeah. It's kind of scaring me, Chris. The Midnight Suns might be built for me. Yeah. I mean, it's a faction you and I've been eyeing since day one, hoping it's mm-hmm. coming to the game because they are kind of more of those more niche teams in Marvel. And that's what's so cool about amg and this game chris they can bring teams to light you know that aren't necessarily even in the movies you know and this is a really great thing so i'm going to close out blades card and read his superpowers because these are pretty incredible he has an active superpower so of course active superpower means it has to be played on his turn called half blood physiology costs one power blade immediately performs a shake action this man's never being staggered chris ever so cool because i love it he's half vampire and Essentially, he can spend one power to get rid of any condition. And notice this has no restrictions. So if you had three conditions on Blade, you can spend three power to remove all three. Blade does not like shock. Blade does not like slow. Blade does not like, you know, hex because he's wanting to explode those yep. big mystic dice yep. pools. So yes, sir. you're going to pay the power to do this and he's not affected by effects. And this is so cool because they could have easily made him immune to stuff and then made him a five cost. And instead they made him a four cost and made it where you choose what he's immune to, you know, as a vampire. That's great. Very interesting possibilities with some counterplays with with blade we're about to get into some of that counterplay chris at least if you're fighting blade he has an active superpower called supernatural senses it costs two power this is like a buffed up version of what we just heard with moon knight in some ways when blade is defending against a physical or mystic attack after rolling his defense dice he may use his superpower he can re-roll any number of defense dice, including skulls. So you get to see what your dice are and say, no, I don't like that. I'm going to vampire super speed out of here <laughs> and not be hurt. <laughs> but notice, Chris, I said, I think I'm noticing a trend with the Midnight Suns. Yes. They don't like energy. Blade does not get any benefits against energy. And his energy is just three dice like a normal three threat has. So that is his clear weakness. So watch out for Cyclops. Watch out for Hawkeye. Watch out for these people that could easily hunt down Blade because he can't even use this against that. Well, he does have a little bit of an offset with his last superpower. It is an innate superpower. It is vampiric immortality. At the end of Blade's activation, Blade gains one power and removes one damage from itself for each other character within range two of Blade that has the bleed special condition incredible that is something that his affiliation is going to help you get in position for too that's right if you can kind of save him for the last activation you nailed it chris you can make sure that he's within range two of at least one person with bleed because he probably gave it to them we'll also notice too chris it's one of those things he's got a healing factor with a higher ceiling right as in Hard to pull off, but then if you pull it off, he heals a lot more than Wolverine and Sabretooth and Lizard healing factor characters we have. I like this twist on the healing factor vibe because he is drinking blood from everyone and getting his own version of healing factor, vampiric immortality. And I mean, the theme is right. The feel is right. And it's really going to reward good play. I couldn't love this ability more. It might be one of my new favorite innate abilities in the game. I think it's so cool. Just like we talked about last news segment 
with Omega Red's innate ability, how it's so cool, how it's like Omega Red's taking damage, but he's giving people poison. These things are changing up the game a lot, Chris, because this just happens, right? It just happens. There's nothing you have to pay power or do certain sequence of events. You just got to be in range, in that katana range where you want to be all game anyways. Jesse, I hate to I hate to cut you off here, but man, we have got like four other characters we got to get to, dude. We got to move on. You're so right, Chris. So my final thought on Blade that I'll say that's going to make us both very sad. We can think about it later for our Blade episode. Did Blade just nullify Logan in the game? It's tough. They both have their place. We will revisit this it's one for something sure. something to think on because they are very similar. And we'll, we'll return to that in our Blade episode. It sounds like a very interesting question to pose to the listeners. I would agree. And I also think Logan likes being on a team with Blade. And that's just fun. 100%. And that's the Defenders, bud. That is so true. So moving on, Chris, we've got to talk about the Ancient One, the Alter Ego Ancient One, another four-threat character. This is where things are getting weird this episode, Chris. From here on out, just all aboard this weird train we're on. She has stamina of six, a move of medium, a height of two, and a threat cost of four. Her defenses are two physical, three energy, and five mystic. And on her injured side, she also has six stamina, putting her at 12, the same as Blade. Chris, this is where the game gets crazy because, you know, we're talking about this with the mystic announcement. The game's about to be shaken up because we're about to see characters that are only mystic oriented. And it's just going to cause a lot of confusion and a lot of cool things happening in the game. And I think she's a great example because she's a four threat and everything on here on out is mystic that she does everything. Let's get into it. The Ancient One's first attack is Shards of the Seraphim. Range 2, Strength 5, Power Cost 0. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you will trigger Pierce. My favorite, favorite wild trigger. This is Blade's Katana Strike without the auto bleed. Very strong. Very strong. Next, we're going to get into Fangs of Farala. Range 3, strength 4, power cost of 0. After this attack is resolved, the Ancient One gains 1 power. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the poison special condition. I pronounced that all correctly, I promise. <laughs> if damage gets through, auto-poison. Exactly. This is crazy, Chris. Like We're seeing a trend already with her. We're getting a four threat mystic control character and this is cool this is a cool beginnings like we don't have a four threat that's dedicated only to this so far in the game and also half of strange's abilities are energy the strange we have so far right closing out her attacks chris we have her final attack it's another mystic attack called astral strike it's also range two same as her strike a strength of eight and a power cost of four. The defending character does not add crit results in its defense roll to its total successes and cannot add additional dice to its defense roll as a result of crit results. So the crits don't count and the crits don't explode. It's a better version of Hex. If the attack deals damage after the stack is resolved, the target character gains stagger. Auto. Wow. You know, Chris, you always talked about Strange if he got that Yahtzee, you know, you know, the putting a token on somebody, but an Iron Fist as well, right? Iron Fist is a huge power piece in the game right now, especially in the TTS meta, because Iron Fist can use Spender and put a token on somebody like they've already activated, right? It's nuts. So this is a 
different version of that. Once again, like control those big pieces on the map with a piece that's only four threat. That's pretty cool. This is a great spender. It's absolutely great. There's nothing bad Insane. about it. There's nothing bad about it at all, actually. It's just four cost. There's a little duality here with the Ancient Ones so far in that this is clearly offensively a melee kit. <laughs> yes. Defensively, the Ancient One is only rolling two dice on physical attacks. I love it. Interesting thus far. She is a beater that hunts down energy and mystic targets. Does not go to toe-to-toe with physical beaters. That's a weird thing to wrap your head around. So cool. Okay, so let's let's move on to the Ancient One's first superpower. It is an active superpower. It is the Mists of Hogoth. It's going to cost you two power. Place this character within range two of its current position. The superpower can only be used once per turn. That's awesome. It's only on herself, but still, Chris, right. we know how powerful Red Skull and Thanos are. Just moving people around, right? Like, we know how effective it is. Even like Enchantress right now, she's dominating the competitive side of the game because she can move enemies this way. This is cool. She can move herself. Once again, we always talk about how powerful it is to not take a move action. You're not taking a move action. Right. And that's also going to allow you to maybe weave in and weave out a little bit with this character. Maybe you can Mists of Hogoth in to range two and deliver that astral strike, you know, and then see where you're at. Uh, You might be right, Chris. Her next ability is an active superpower called Winds of Watum. Costs three power. There's a reason it costs three power. I think this is maybe the reason you're taking this character. When this character is targeted by an attack, it may use the superpower. Push the attacking character towards the Ancient One short. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, Shuri. You found your match. (laughs) You're being pulled in. Yep. This is one of those things now where it's like, like you said, Chris, she is a melee beater using mystic powers. And here's what's cool. is like someone like Shuri or Hawkeye now, characters that we have seen since they came out all over the place, they don't want to attack her because they're being pulled towards her closer to the fight. That's bad for them. They want to stay in the back line. And this is literally anti-Shuri tech. It's super cool. It costs a lot. What cool mechanics we are starting to get. This is awesome. This is also, Chris, the first push we've seen like outside of Web Warriors, where it's like, this is like Web Warriors, but it's it's when the Web Warriors attacked, right? Like Web Warriors just spend power to move people around with web lines, which is part of their biggest part of their play. This is like, do you actually want to attack her because she's going to pull you out of position and maybe give you a quasi stagger? I've talked about how powerful this is before. I've talked about moving someone out of position in this game is essentially like giving them a stagger because the way you win MCP is by points and positioning. Everything else supplements that. And say a big character attacks you, but then you move them off of their objective and you're like, that's fine. Come to me. Now you're off the objective. You're not scoring. And they say, do I want with my second action now to move back? <laughs> that's why it's a quasi stagger because it's like shaking a stagger, right? They go back to where they were because you disrupted them. So once again, Chris, like this is going to create puzzles in the game we never knew existed. And you mentioned that it costs three and that is a little bit steep. But when we get into the ancient one's first innate superpower, it is going to kind of help a little bit with that and it is uh, the keeper of the eye of agamotto when this character is making a defense or dodge roll it may re-roll up to two of its defense or dodge 
dice. So that does help a little bit with that two physical defense dice, but that's still woof. Additionally, during the power phase, the Ancient One gains one additional power. Cool. Yeah, this helps a lot. She's Asgardian in a way. Chris, two rerolls on her energy and mystic, though, is insane. I mean, like five mystic oh, with yeah, two man. rerolls. It's essentially like seven mystic or 6.5 mystic. That's the highest we've seen in the game, right? Closing out her card, we have another innate ability, martial artist. I did not think we we're going to get this, and this is super cool. Right. When this character is defending against a physical or energy attack, targeting it within range two, just like Corset Black Widow, the Ancient One adds blanks in her defense roll to total successes. Once again, helping with that poor physical, but more importantly, helping with that three energy. And, you know, if she's pulling you in range, like, this is cool. Like, you're you're now in my martial arts bubble, and I get blanks. It's great. I really like this character. I like the niche this character fills. This kit is very cool. This is the character I was least excited about in this wave, Chris. And Atomic Mass has done it again. They do this on purpose. They save the coolest kits for kind of less popular characters. It's one of those things like this fits the ancient one perfectly, right? Like what we know of her. It's it's one of those things where like sometimes the side characters in Marvel like this have a lot of these cool abilities that great game developers can manipulate and make cool mechanics out of. And that's what they did here. And I'm very intrigued. Somehow she fits a lot of the Web Warriors deficits. And that's all I'll say for now. But it's insane. Like her and the Web Warriors team insane because she's rerolling defense dice and then she's getting rerolls on top of that and they struggle with mystic and they have no mystic she fits right in it's crazy it's cool it is time to move on from the ancient one to baron mordo with an alter ego of carl amadeus mordo he is a threat three character on his healthy side he has six health On his injured side, he has 5 health for a total of 11 health. He is a medium mover, size 2. And similar to the Ancient One, defense are going to be a little weird. Physical defense will be 2. Energy, 4. Mystic, 4. Really good health and defense die for Baron Mordo for a 3 threat character. Absolutely, Chris. We still sing the praises of Baron Zemo today. Baron Mordo is no different. Like having these buffed up defenses and having one that's a deficit, you know, Zemo's 334, which is incredibly powerful for a three threat. He's 244. Okay. He's, he's the other Baron. I get it. I like it. Also, I've also talked about on the show a lot, Chris, how much of a difference six stamina is over five, because there are a lot of characters in the game that if you just whiff on your dice, can kill you outright if you have five health, but they cannot kill you outright if you have six or seven health. Six is great. But we've got to talk about this character, Chris, because he is a complex three threat. I love that we're getting these complex specialist three threats in the game now. It's a crazy, crazy thing. Starting with his first attack, it's a mystic attack called Staff of the Living Tribunal. It's a range three strike. A little bit different strike, though. It's strength of four and a power cost of zero. After the attack is resolved, Baron Morno gains power equal to the damage dealt. But then he has a wild trigger of a push. If the target character is size two or less before damage is dealt, Baron Mordor may push them away short. It's four dice, but it's mystic. Has a push. Actually pretty good. Like, not bad. It's not terrible. The push leaves a little bit to be desired, but it is the builder on a three-threat 
character. <laughs> right. So you can't be too upset about it. Well, this man can't have too much power. He can do too much with it. So that's why it's <laughs> four. But moving on, he has a second attack that's also mystic called Bolt of Bishru. It's range four, strength of four again, and a power cost of zero again. After the attack is resolved, this character gains one power. So very similar to what we're seeing a trend today, Chris. Not rapid fire, but just auto gain one power. And then if you get a wild, they gain the hex condition. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the hex Special condition. I love this. I like the hex a little bit more than I like the size two push short, personally. Well, and one power is great, right? Oh, yeah. Give me that. I need it. God, there's so much to spend it with on this guy. So much. And closing out his attacks, Chris, because he does have three as a three threat, which is crazy. It's his third and final attack. It's also mystic called Reigns of Ragador. It's range four, strength of seven, and power cost of four. And it has a auto trigger of burning rain. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the incinerate and poison special conditions. So you're losing dice on defense and you're gaining one less power in the power phase. Very cool. Atomic Mass is really knocking these four-cost spenders. Oh, you're absolutely right, Chris. On these characters, uh, this this kind of wave of announcements, these four-cost spenders are all really good and really interesting. Absolutely. They're knocking out of the park because we've got this kind of dark wave mixed with mystic characters and, Mm -hmm. you know... They're really running with that, Chris. These spenders do impactful conditions and weird triggers and things. They're not just big damage spenders necessarily, except Blade's pretty good. It's a, it's a pretty big kill thing, which I really yes. love because he gets the rerolls. But this one, auto incinerate and poison, like on its worst day, it does a little bit of damage and gives auto incinerate and poison. Okay, we're, we're into that. Especially at range four. At range four, right? Yeah. <laughs> And this sculpt is just incredible, man. Like, he is running Dude. up with the boots of Valtor, which we're going to get to in a bit. So, Chris, we got to talk about his superpowers because he has five. That's a lot. His first one is Master of the Occult. It's an active superpower. Action. Baron Mordo gains two power. The superpower can be used only once per turn. This is a buffed up Wong ability, Chris. And we love how powerful Wong's is. Absolutely. Moving on, once again... Second and third slots on these characters is the reason you're taking some of these characters, Chris. It's another active superpower called Soul Barb. It costs two. Choose an enemy character within three of Baron Mordo with one or more of the following conditions on them. So you have to choose a target within three of Baron Mordo. They have to have either Hex, Incinerate, Poison, or Slow on, on them. Choose one of these special conditions on that character. Each enemy character within two of the chosen character now gains that chosen condition as well. That is so cool. He's like spreading the conditions. Chris, I think our condition team is here, by the way. Our unaffiliated condition team. It's here, and we're going to put it together and start testing. Don't you worry about that. So let's talk about his next superpower. I mean, that one is is incredibly powerful. This is a reactive superpower. It is Ferocity of Citrak. It is going to cost you two power. When another allied character within range three of Baron Mordo targets an enemy character with an attack, Baron Mordo may use this superpower. The attacking allied character adds two dice to its attack roll. After the attack is resolved, the attacking character suffers one damage. This superpower may only be used 
once per turn. Awesome. For two power, you're adding two dice to a potentially really big attack. You are going to pay for it in the form of that, that, that one damage ping. Right. Goodness. Early rounds flip to an injured, you know, stagger that removal of an activation for an early round. That can be a big, big play. Well, I can tell you, Chris, one of my favorite abilities in the entire game that I've used almost more than any other ability in the entire game, and you can vouch for this, is Death's Decree on Thanos. Oh, yeah. Death's Decree, of course, gets better on Thanos' backside when he's injured, when he's mad. It's now four dice. It's not two anymore. This is a budget Death's Decree. It's a budget character with Death's Decree, which is very cool because Thanos is expensive. And Desecre yes, he pops is. him up. Of, there's a reason why he has to be expensive. The, you know, the free stones use and then Desecre, honestly. Those are the main reasons you're taking him. This is great, Chris. Like, a budget Thanos is very game-changing for this game. I think Baron Mordo immediately went into my Spider-Foes because I was telling you about half the reason I play Thanos and Spider-Foes is because all the Spider-Foes, when they have more dice... They just spike unbelievably. Like, they're some of the most spiky yeah. attacking characters in the game. Carnage. Dr. Octopus, when he counts wilds, is double hits. Green Goblin, who has a terrible builder, but when he has a lot of power, if his builder gets built up, he's given out conditions and he has a lot of power, he can do all sorts of crazy things. Venom can do so many things with power. The list goes on. So, I think Baron's Mordo, on any sort of attrition team... He might be an auto slot in, at least to try. Well, and one more thing you can think about with Baron Mordo is he has two more superpowers, and these are going to kind of help him. I think maybe he's a late game flanker or maybe kind of a rear objective holder and then comes in yeah. to the fray later. This next superpower is Vaulting Boots of Valtor. It is a reactive power. It will cost you two. After Baron Mordo is pushed, Baron Mordo may use this power. After the push effect is resolved, Baron Mordo advances short. So somebody pushes you short, you spend two power, you're right back where you started, right on that objective, right scoring those points. And the fact that his last superpower is Flight... That just helps, especially for those really weird objectives that get placed on like height four buildings or, or, or whatever. The, the, you know, it's true. I love it. These maps you guys are making are crazy. I, oh, I've got some but, crazy ones right now, Chris. Yeah. I know you do. Yeah. I, I think Mordo's a really interesting three threat piece. He's a big mystic piece. I think he slots in really well to Avengers just because of how many things he can do. And if he had that discount, it would open up a whole nother world of possibilities. Absolutely. Everything's a good Avenger, though. Not so everything, but... It's not exactly most, breaking Most news. characters, yeah. Um, R.I.P. Ant-Man. <laughs> he does fit anywhere you want him to fit if you think about it. Because he is this weird amalgamation of Wong and Thanos and attrition. And it's just cool. We talked about this in the Fury's Finest patron Discord when he came out. And we are just talking about how cool is it that they released an aggro support. Very cool. Chris, we have to move on, though. We have to cue the music. The, these last few characters are just... Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. So, Dormammu. They did it. Dormammu is here. His alter ego is Dormammu. And we're just going to come out right out the gate and say he's a threat. So, we went from a sixth threat being our highest 
and only a few in the game. Two eight. I swear I heard somewhere, and I know that it was just this is just anecdotal. This wasn't ever said by Atomic Mass or something, but this rumor hit my ears that they'll never make anything above a six. Thanos was it. Six was as big as it gets. I heard that. I think I just overheard it at a gaming store and or yeah. something, but goodness gracious. That sounds like gamers. Dormammu's nuts. Eight threat alone is a big deal for this game. Things have changed. And I will say that right up front. Even without his affiliation in mind, we have our first eight threat. And we don't even have a seven threat yet. So this just opens possibilities. Doors are open. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Dormammu's stats before we get to his really complex and nuanced card. On his healthy side, he has 10 stamina. He's a large base with a medium move. He's a height of five. Chris, they did it. They never had a size five ever. Well, think about all the possibilities this opens for Sentinels. Let's let's just be honest. It's on all of our minds. And his defenses are four physical, four energy, and five mystic. Very strong stat line. On his injured side, Chris, he has a stamina of 12. 12, my friend. So overall, Dormammu has 22 health. Higher than any character in the game. Higher than Hulk. Higher than She-Hulk. Higher than Thanos. Even higher than Groot. You know, Groot's pretty high. This character just makes my brain hurt. Well, talking about your brain hurting, we got to move on to his builder. His first attack is a energy attack called Shadow Bolt. It's range four, strength of six, and a power cost of zero. Has the Wild Trigger Hex. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the Hex special condition, and then has the Wild Trigger Sap power. Before damage is dealt, the target character loses one power for each wild in the attack roll, and Dormammu gains that amount of power. Notice I called this his builder, Chris. He doesn't build anything from this except from sapping power because- Oh, no. I will say that's difficult. Some people are going to see this that's and tough, they're going to claim it's horrible. It's not. A, yeah, it's a not. range four six dice energy attack- that has hex and sap power is very scary. You should be scared of that. It doesn't build power. I am. That's the only weakness of it. But I'm going to read his spender before we get into oh, his man. giant text pool of superpowers. Incantation of Obliteration. We have the best name of attack in the game. It's a mystic attack. It's range three, so one less range than his builder attack. So keep that in mind. And it's a strength of eight, a power cost of five. Now, here's where it gets weird, Chris. It has a trigger. I'm not even going to say wild trigger, because if you get crit, hit, shield, skull, you get to trigger dark miasma. Yeah, it's our what? It's our second Yahtzee? Third Yahtzee? It's, it's full-blown Yahtzee. We don't have the wild in here, but I mean, we have four results. This is Yahtzee territory. This is as most Yahtzee we've had in the game, Chris. We've never had a sequence of four different results to trigger one ability. Mm. So cool. But if you trigger those four results in your dice, you get to trigger Dark Miasma. After the attack is resolved on the first character, Dormammu may make an additional incantation of obliteration attack without paying the power cost. So keep in mind this costs five. But the additional attack must target a character within range two of the original target character that was already attacked by the incantation of obliteration. And that has also not been targeted by incantation of obliteration this round. I'm glad they put that last little bit in to kind of like prevent it from ping ponging forever and just killing everyone. Now, you still could potentially kill everyone with this if everyone's clumped (laughs) in that gamma shelter, right? And you trigger it in the right order and you get the Yahtzee over and over again. Very unlikely, but could happen. 
Dice are going to dice. This is crazy, Chris. So hold on. I, I think they all have to be within range two of the first character attacked because it does read the additional attack must target a character within range two of the original target character. It says original target character there. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, I feel like the original modifier in there makes it uh, a little different there. That has not been targeted by incantation, which is gets really crazy. Right. Yeah, basically everyone has to be clumped in range two, which, you know, it's going to happen sometimes, but this is not about wiping the whole enemy team. This is about getting a five-cost spender off more than once. If you've done that, you're just doing great. If it happens more than twice, I mean, you're probably winning the game, potentially. Yeah, that is a lot of dice. Here's the thing about Dormammu, Chris. This is a crazy spender. It's one of the best in the game. But this really isn't even his power level. This wasn't doesn't make him tick. Most of the time, you're shadow bolting and using these amazing superpowers. So let's get into them. His first superpower is his affiliation. Flames of the Faultine. Affiliation Dark Dimension. If Dormammu is included in a squad, that squad is now affiliated with the Dark Dimension and must use his leadership ability. <laughs> It doesn't matter if you got someone in here, Cap, you know, and they're all Avengers. No, he just takes over. He possesses everyone. Dormammu and each other character you control gains one additional power during the power phase. During the power phase, if another allied character has six or more power, it suffers one damage. They're just getting too much power from the great old one, and they just can't handle it. They start petering out. But Chris, here's what's crazy. This is Avengers, which we've talked about being always good, but with nothing holding it back. You can spend the power on tax cards. You can spend the power on attacks. Yep. You can spend the power on weird objective abilities in the game, right? Exactly, yeah. This is Avengers with no limits. It's crazy. Avengers is like a gift card. This is like getting the cash. This is definitely getting the cash. And you spend it how you want. It's just if you ever have too much cash and you hoard it, you better spend it. You're in trouble. But here's what's also crazy, Chris. Notice that last bit where I said this is also a Avengers ability for objectives. Mm-hmm. That's what's really breaking the game a little bit. Like you could pick up multiple cubes with one character. The core set cube objective, right? This is one of those things like it's breaking the game in a different way that people aren't thinking about, where it's like Dormammu is going to be scoring points on top of doing good attrition. So he's a big threat if he's spending his power on his team correctly. But Chris, we haven't talked about the craziest thing yet, which we alluded to in our affiliation section, and you talked about a little bit. Yes, Dormammu is a threat. I understand that's high, but it doesn't matter because everyone's affiliated with him. Are you playing 14 threat? That's fine. He's eight. <laughs> well, now you have six to spend, right? Oh, yeah. You're playing 20 threat? Okay, now you got 12. And I say that you now you got 12 because there's no restrictions on his team. Just take 12 points you want. Everyone is Dark Dimension. It's just it's how it works. It is the rogue agent turned up to 11. How does Flames of the Fultine interact with characters like Thor that are going to gain an extra power innately already? I'm glad you asked. So is he going to be gaining three power? Because at 14 threat, Dormammu and Thor might be my team. I'll, I'll roll that team up to 15. Bring a Koye or something. I rock it. Exactly. Yes, Chris, you are correct. Valkyrie and Thor are doing horrible things on Dharma's team to their enemies. 
Very interesting. We've already talked about how the Valkyries kind of shape the competitive meta a little bit because round one, yes. she has two power and she can literally double moves anywhere she wants and throw someone for two power and just auto win an objective. Right. Imagine if Valkyrie could double move, pick an objective on the way and throw someone. Just think of that. And then if she could Dragon Fang every turn, her spender. Oh my. This is what people are not respecting enough with Dormammu. They're looking at, oh, he doesn't hit hard enough as an eight threat. He hits really hard, by the way. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. But yeah, he hits pretty hard. We're scratching the surface of this affiliation dark dimension. We'll get more into it in future episodes. There's so much to talk about. It's just crazy. There's so much to talk about, not just with this, but with every aspect of his kit. Oh, absolutely. It is so layered. Yeah, he's got so much going on for him. And just who doesn't want to see this model on the table, Chris? It's the biggest model in the game. Oh, man, it's going to be so cool. It's going to bring people to MCP and to the table. So starting with his first superpower after his leadership, it's an active superpower called Not of This Dimension. It costs three. Place Dormammu within range two of his current position. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So, Chris, it's a large base. His base is huge. Range two and double huge base. That's nasty. It's expensive, but you're going to use it because some people have brought up one of Dormammu's only weaknesses is that he's weak to pushes. This helps get around that, obviously. So I think you're going to want to do this when you got power. You know, it's one of those things. You're going to have to because that Shadow Bolt hits so hard. You're going to want to use it as much as you can. Oh, we haven't even talked about how hard it hits yet. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. His next superpower is a reactive superpower. It is feel the power of darkness. It's going to cost you to power. After an attack targeting Dormammu is resolved, he may use this superpower. The attacking character is pushed away from Dormammu short and gains the Hex <laughs> special condition. <laughs> if the attacking character already had the Hex special condition, it gains the Incinerate special condition instead. Now we have an entirely other set of characters that you want to put in your bag with Dormammu that play around Hex and Incinerate. So now we have one that plays around from his affiliation. Now just one lowly superpower down. Another thing that applies to a whole different set of characters. How is this character weak again? I don't don't Uh, get it. Those people are wrong and also not enjoying the game enough, in my opinion. Chrissy's eight. Baron Mordo's three. You're at 11 points now. <laughs> you know? Like, can you imagine right. Baron Mordo buffing up Dormammu's attacks and then also Baron Mordo giving out more conditions as Dormammu's giving out conditions? And, there it is. But most importantly, Chris, this feel the power of the darkness. What's cool about this is some people I've seen online have brought up concerns about Dormammu's defenses. They're saying four, four, five, not enough mm-hmm. for an A threat. Well, they're not factoring in this he can do this every turn no matter what because he always has the power to do it he just gets to push someone away give a fake stagger to someone as i've talked about before but also like push them away from him so they can't attack him a second time potentially and it's one of those things like it's giving him extra defensive tech that you're not thinking about but it's quite a bit of defensive tech and objective control dormammu's gonna love those demons downtown he's gonna love gamma shelters where he's just sitting in the middle of the map and he's like come to me you get double tapped and then when you attack me i have tons of power and i push you away and i give you conditions and oh guess what my team has more power than anyone in the game they're using their spenders a lot (laughs) 
<laughs> and they're throwing people a lot because they have more power than anyone in the game. Because why wouldn't they use their spenders? Why wouldn't they throw people a lot? Because they don't want to be injured by the negative of this affiliation, which is having six more power. That's where it gets weak. But we know all good things must come to an end, Chris. We got to talk about <laughs> his last two superpowers. They're very complex. I'm going to go through these in great detail so you can understand them with us. We're going to talk about them. His first one is a Nate superpower called Master of the Realm of Darkness. When Dormammu suffers damage from enemy effect, it gains one power instead of power equal to the damage dealt. So he kind of breaks a rule in a negative way for himself. And, you know, probably for the best, because the man has 22 health. He would yeah. have so much power. But when another allied character is damaged by an enemy effect or by flames of the fall teen, Dormammu gains one power. Chris, this is the second part of his affiliation. He also has a force just for himself. (laughs) I love it. And then this is the part people keep ignoring. And I think this is where everyone's making a mistake online that discrediting him. Keep in mind, Chris, most people online are excited about Dormammu, but there's always that vocal minority angry for no reason. It's all good. They're allowed to be those things. They're definitely allowed to be those things. As long as you don't start saying like things like trash and stuff. I'm not into that. Right. That's bad. Don't ever do that. Because every model and every character in this game is somebody's favorite model and favorite character, right? You and I have talked about this a lot. Well, not only that, the worst models in this game are still playable. Right. I mean, maybe they're not going to win a tournament, but you're going to have a good time. It's one of the best parts of this game, right, Chris? Because exactly. even the worst models in this game on their worst day still can be played in any team, which is just unbelievable for any miniatures game. Especially with the catalog of models we're looking at. Absolutely. It's just getting so big. Any other miniatures game, if a model's bad and they're only on a specific team, you're just really limiting when they get played, right? But it's like, in this game, it's like, right. they're going to be played because you just want to play them. So the second part of Master of the Realm of Darkness is crazy. Additionally, when Dormammu is calculating successes or failures of this character's attacks, Dormammu adds the number of skulls in both his attack pool and the defense player's pool, and he counts them all as successes. That's nuts, dude. Your own rolls can just go against you doubly. (laughs) Are you not allowed to re-roll that skull, but it's also actively damaging you? He's physically taking it from your dice pool and sliding it to his side of the table, and now it's a positive result on his side. Yeah, it's a swing of two. Like, it's a net gain of two damage here. Like this is So, crazy. Xavier Protocols went into this. I'm so glad he did. He was talking about, Chris, that Shadow Bolt at six dice with this ability built in is roughly a builder with eight dice. And here's what's crazy, Chris. The higher their defense, the higher your dice get. Uh, yeah. So, it's like you're attacking like, I don't know, like you're attacking someone with a giant defense, right? Well, you're also increasing their chances of getting skulls. So it's one of those double-edged swords for them. But it's crazy because he has what Scarlet Witch has, which is we've talked about so powerful in the game. Scarlet Witch has chaos magic, and she uses skulls as positive results for herself. He's from an entirely different dimension. He uses them for himself, but he also takes them from you and uses them for himself. Out of control. His dice are going to do damage. So, Chris, now think of Incantation of Obliteration and think of it more like 10 dice, maybe 11, give or take. That can jump. We're closing out Dormammu's card because it's so cool. He has flight, of course. But more importantly, he has immunity, Chris, to bleed 
incinerate and stagger. He can never be staggered. He loves the demon portals because he's on fire and he's never losing his defenses, right? And then he doesn't care about bleed either. He's not going to die. <laughs> he's he's really cool. I'm just I mean, I cannot wait to get some games in both against him and with him. Bravo. Bravo. We cannot forget and sing the praise of AMG. You get an entire ultimate encounter with this set too, you know, where it's a boss version of Dormammu. So this is just the game balanced version of Dormammu. The boss version of Dormammu, even bigger, crazier, I'm assuming. But Chris, we've got to move on from Dormammu and talk about briefly his cards for the Dark Dimension. First one of, of which is crazy. It's called Dark Restoration. It's an active Dark Dimension tactics card. During the cleanup phase, so at the end of a round, Dormammu may spend six power to play this card. Place an allied character of a threat value of three or less, so three or two, that has been KO'd this game within range two of Dormammu. That character is now healthy, has no damage, special conditions, or effects. Chris, he just resurrects a character back. He just resurrected Baron Mordo. Or, on this card art, a possessed crossbones. Yeah. Very good card art, by the way. Absolutely. What a sight. This just adds an entirely another dimension to Dormammu. He's ridiculous. But he's got one more card. Dark Empowerment. It is Dark Dimension affiliated. It is an active card. During a character's activation, it may suffer one damage to play this card. Choose another character within range three of the active character, which pretty much could only be Dormammu. Effects of the next attack made this turn by Dormammu cannot cause Dormammu to gain power. The chosen character instead gains power equal to the damage dealt by Dormammu's attack. This is very cool. So maybe I'm thinking right now Iron Fist is a really, really good slot in next to Dormammu for the simple fact that he is a three threat cost. You can get him power with this card for an early big, big spender by Iron Fist, which is just one of the best in the game. Absolutely. That's just off the top of my head. No, I'm very into it, Chris. But all good things must come to an end. Like I said, we got to move on from Dormammu because, I mean... Our strategy section on that episode is just going to be very robust because there are so many things that he is breaking about the game just from affiliation building alone and power generation. And like I said, giving you the best version of Avengers ability we've ever had. And it's really cool. And people cannot discredit that. I mean, certain two, three, and four threats, Chris, just come online hardcore when Dormammu's around, right? Like it's one of those things we're going to see a side of those characters we've never seen. And that is pretty cool. I'm very excited for all of the, the forbidden doors Dormammu is going to open. But moving on, Chris, we've got to close out our characters on this episode with a character that you and I on the release video said, that's the one we're most excited about. For me, it was Dormammu. For you, is this character. But this one was number two for me. It's Dr. Voodoo. Chris, I've already had multiple people reach out to the show and say, can't wait for the Dr. Voodoo episode because I need to know about this character. Okay, I'm excited to bring that to exactly. you guys. This is going to be fun. This character is kind of wild. Kind of wild. It's the Ancient One, but another 
crazy twist. It's weird, man. So it's Dr. Voodoo, Alter Ego, Jericho Drum. Jericho is going to have six health on his healthy side, six health on his injured side for a total of 12. He is a medium mover, size two, threat cost of four. His defenses are as follows. Physical defense two, energy defense two, mystic defense four. We're seeing weird things with these mystics, Chris. Well, it's going to get weirder, brother. His first attack is a mystic attack, spirit venom. It is a range three. Strength 5, power cost 0 attack. After this attack is resolved, Dr. Voodoo gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you will trigger sap power before damage is dealt. The target character loses 1 power for each wild in the attack roll, and Dr. Voodoo gains that amount of power. I love Sap power. It's not Pierce, but it's awesome. Huge builder, Chris. Like in the way of building power, this is a big deal. Yeah, man. Cool. You've got the sap. You've got the fact that it is five dice. So you've got a higher chance of getting damage through. And it's range three. It's good. Moving on, Chris, we've got his second attack, the staff of Legba, range two, a strength of seven and a power cost of three. It has a wild trigger power burn. Before damage is dealt, the target character loses one power for each wild in the attack roll. The target character suffers one damage for each power lost this way, and then does not gain power for damage suffered as a result of the power burn. So do not let him get wilds in this, because he's taking power from you, and then he's sending it right back at you as damage, and you're not getting power from that damage dealt. He's breaking a basic rule of the game. He's really doubling down on how much damage gets through. If it's a wild, not only is it a hit, but it's going to sap a power and do an automatic damage on top of the hit. It might get canceled. The hit might get canceled out by a defense roll, but that sap isn't going to get canceled out. He's not sapping it in the way of like taking it to himself, but he's just straight taking it from you off the board, right? And that's Ugh, it's still so really good. I think if it had sap power regular, it'd just be out of control. You're right, mushy brain, man. Before we get into all his superpowers, we've got to talk about his innate superpower that I'm just so looking forward to our lore episode for this alone. A lot of people have asked specifically about this feature of the character, but I think if you understand this innate power, we can understand his superpowers better. So it's innate power called the Spirit of Brother Daniel. Dr. Voodoo begins the game with the Brother Daniel token. While Dr. Voodoo has the token, add two dice to all of his defense and dodge rolls. So once again, that's taking his physical and energy up to four and his mystic up to six. Very strong. During the power phase, you may move the token from anywhere on the board to this character. Whenever a character is dazed or KO'd while it has the Brother Daniel token, move the token back to Dr. Voodoo. This character cannot have a Brother Daniel token except the one it begins the game with. I'm sure that that's future-proofing of some kind. When this character is removed from the battlefield, remove the Brother Daniel token from the game. Whenever this character rolls dice after an effect is resolved, it gains one power if it rolled one skull. So once again, that's just an added little bonus at the end that has nothing to do with the Brother Daniel token, but the spirit's giving him that power. Like It's like a surier beast, right? You know, when they're just rolling dice or even a Dr. Octopus, they get a result they don't necessarily want, but it gives them power. Chris, he's going to have so much power, but what do you think about this Brother Daniel token just buffing up all his defenses? Really cool. And he can call it back to him at any time at the end of a round. 
I really like the fact that he can call it back to himself at any time. So if he's got a big hit coming in, man, he can just, he can snap that thing right back. Absolutely. Buff up those defense roles. I think that's really neat and, and an interesting way to implement some tankiness on the character, a very uh, risk reward based system going on with the spirit of Daniel Token. It's very cool. Well, Chris, I think we just got to read these Daniel Token superpowers because they all kind of revolve around the Daniel Token. First one is an active superpower called Possession. It costs X power. Dr. Voodoo may spend any number of power to use the superpower. Choose an enemy character within range three of Dr. Voodoo with a threat value equal to or lower than the amount of power spent to use the superpower. Long story short, whatever their threat is, that's what it costs you to do this. The enemy character drops all objective tokens it is holding. <laughs> now move the Brother Daniel token to that character. While that character has the Brother Daniel token, it cannot interact with, hold, or contest objective tokens. This is game-breaking, Chris. Oh, man. We spoke too soon. We said this Mystic Wave is going to shake up the entire meta in game. We had no idea. We had no idea. This is wild. <laughs> We were strictly talking about dice math. A bunch of mystic attackers with great mystic defense was just going to shape up the game yep. because we're going to have interesting interactions we've never had. Yeah, we, and we just kind of assumed some interesting weird uh, re-rolls. This is Black Cat Enchantress on steroids. Oh, I know. I love it. Ugh, let's, let's move on to his next one. I'm excited. It's going to be an active superpower. It is spiritual strength. It is going to cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature or an enemy character, both of size 2 or less, and within range 2 of Dr. Voodoo, and throw that enemy character or terrain feature short. If Dr. Voodoo has its brother Daniel token, you may choose a terrain feature of size 3 or less within range 2 instead. This superpower can only be used once per turn. Very strong, Chris. We've talked about how powerful it is. It's cool that he gets around that weird built-in design restriction we've talked about sometimes where it's like, oh, some characters can throw terrain, some can throw models, some can throw both, but it's a lower number. He can like throw a high number of terrain and a regular number of models. Pretty cool that it's staggered in, the, in that way that it's the models are power capped, whereas the terrain features, you get a little bit more bang for the buck as far as your size goes. But I mean, it makes perfect sense because being able to move models size three big ones and below is extremely like, a lot more powerful than just models two and below, right. like by a large, large degree. Absolutely. It, within the lore of Marvel and all that, it fits perfectly. Super cool that if he's has the spirit of his own brother Daniel there, he can throw big terrain. You know, that's pretty cool thematically in general. I just love that. His next superpower is a active superpower called Recall Spirit Cost 2. When this character is targeted by an attack, it may use the superpower. Move the Brother Daniel token to this character from anywhere. So you're worried about a big attack coming in? Call Brother Daniel back to you. Buff up your defenses by two. It's great. He's going to be using that power all the time. I don't know that you're going to be getting many staff of Legba's off. Good point. And closing out his card, Chris, he has the innate ability flight. And then he has, once again, just like Dormammu, he has some immunities. He has immunity to hex. Very cool. And immunity to incinerate. So once again, Chris, we're seeing this, like, these tanky, tanky characters. Like, if he has his brother Daniel token, he can't be incinerated, so he can't lose defense dice. He's very defensively strong. 
It's very cool. His physical is four, his energy is four, and his mystic six for a four threat. Those are the highest stats of any four threat we've ever seen. It's great. And also keep in mind, whenever this character rolls dice after the effect is resolved, so after everything's happened, if he rolled any skulls, he gets power. So like, even when he rolls defensive dice, dodge dice, he's probably getting power too from skulls. It's a nice consolation for uh, rolling skulls. You're going to roll them. Might as well get power for it. It's really going to help because, like I'm saying, like you're going to be moving the Brother Daniel token around. You're going to be recalling it and then trying to get it back no. on whoever picked up a, an objective token. He's going to need every bit of that power. But also, Chris, like think about how powerful possession is against low threat characters who want to be picking up objectives. Oh, yeah. Like the Toads and Black Widows and Okoyes of the world, where a lot of the time all they do sometimes is pick an objective or stand by an objective, right? And it's like he's possession and just nullifies that entirely, even if it's just for a round. They don't score for a round. And then he pulls the token back to him. This is incredible. I was not expecting these mechanics for Witch Doctor. This is so cool. Like, he has good power generation. He has an awesome spender. But more importantly, he has a great way to mess with your opponent's scoring, a great way to buff his defenses, and a great way to buff his throws. And it's just a however you play it well, you know? But also with him being immune to Hex and Incinerate, he's really not that afraid of being kind of in the fray. He doesn't want to be fully in the fray, but like... He's not really worried about it, which is super cool, too. So once again, Chris, kind of like the ancient one, he can get in there. He can fight. He doesn't have martial artists like the ancient one, but he can hold his ground. And once again, that's something we love with our four threats. This is just a four threat that is very unexpected, you know? He's cool. He's very interesting. I think he's going to be one of those characters that... After the initial release, you know, a few months after down the road when there's new flavors of the month, I think when you see him on the table, you should be weary at that point because whoever's still playing him at that point is going to be very good at using him and, and likely enthusiastic about it. And I'm, I just, I'm going to love to see, you know, that just random person that pulls this team out and wrecks with them because no one's seen them in a while. And let's not forget, Chris, he comes with Hood. And Hood's probably going to be wild, too. And we have no idea the way Hood's mm-hmm. going to play yet. So I'm very excited about this character. He's immediately shot to the top of my want-to-play, want-to-buy list. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited about him as well. And, and the, the sculpt is insane, like we've talked about. And he fits in like my mage team that I've always talked about forever he also fits in anywhere you want him to fit like as chris was saying like he's weirdly a great avenger like really great avenger yeah man the more he can do brother daniel's token stuff without stopping you know he's really effective but dormammu he slots right in with dormammu oh yeah absolutely also his art on his card is just out of control but we'll return to him in the future chris there's too much to say today and we've we've said a lot and we're going to call it there because there's so much news to come and we've got to digest this information. These are just our first takes on this stuff. We still haven't seen like Clea, Doctor Strange, Hood, all the tactics cards. We, like there's so many things coming. And then, you know, one can assume we're going to get some crises with these as well, Chris. So things are going to change a lot when this wave comes out. Oh my gosh. I hadn't even thought about the new crisis cards that will be coming oh my gosh Ugh, it's so much to keep up with sometimes it's a very exciting time to be a marvel crisis protocol fan and player 
Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Christ Protocol and other tabletop games at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. And follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries. And if you can leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice, it helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, anything helps, guys. We really, really appreciate every subscription, every rating, every listen. It means a lot to us. Thank you. Absolutely. You can find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And of course, I am on the Marvel Crisis Protocol Facebook group posting all the time. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Come see how the Thunder Summer League rookies are looking. And, uh, you know, get ready for the NFL season. Go Panthers. All right. Well, that was quite the episode, Chris. Until next time, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything will surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 